Have you ever experienced uh, deja vu? Yeah? You ever experienced deja vu? Uh, you could argue that 2020 was like every day was like a deja vu moment, but uh, anyways, we won't go there, right? It's 2021, New Year. Um, but deja vu is the feeling or the thought that you have already lived a certain experience or you've already seen something before. Deja vu is a French word that means already seen, already seen. When we experience deja vu, we see something or, or experience something and we can swear, we can swear that we have already experienced it or seen it before, exactly that way before. During college, I drove Highway 15 from Sandersville to Athens a lot, a lot. Um, later, during my senior year of college, uh, it was my first year of, of, of serving in ministry, and Chris and I were married, and I began uh, serving in the big city of Adrian, Georgia. Um, that's a joke. <sighs> um, I drove Highway 15 to Athens to finish up my senior year every Tuesday and Thursday uh, there and back. And so there were moments when I was driving I, uh, Highway 15 where I had some deja vu moments because I had seen it over and over and over again. I think we experience deja vu in uh, situations and moments and places where we um, routinely go and we routinely experience. If we go to work or we go to school or we go home at the same time every day or we do the same things at work, at school, at home at the same time at the same day of the week over and over and over again, we are likely to experience uh, the feeling of deja vu. Well, as we turn in, our, in the pages of our Bibles from the book of Joshua to Judges, and we read throughout the book of Judges, as, as you, you will get there in your daily reading, we're probably going to experience uh, some deja vu. There is a clear cycle that appears throughout the book that happens over and over and over again. And, and our passage in Judges 2 does a really good job of outlining this cycle and revealing to us what happens uh, throughout the book and what the book's going to look like. See, last week, Joshua uh, was being told to be strong and courageous because he has taken over the reins of leadership. Moses has died, and now Joshua is being raised up to lead the people to take the promised land. Um, and so God gave him the word, be strong and courageous. And Joshua could be strong and courageous because God was going with him. It wasn't because Joshua had done anything. It was because that the presence of the Lord was with Joshua. And so he could do those things. He could be strong because God was with him. And so now at the beginning of Judges, we learn that Joshua has died. Um, he's died. He's now, uh, and now a new generation has grown up. And I just want you to listen to the description of this new generation. After that whole generation, uh, Joshua, the elders, those who had been in the wilderness and experienced all that God had done for them, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This whole new generation knew nothing of God knew nothing of what God had done for his people. And because of that, they did evil in the sight of God. Now, right off the bat, I see a failure of God's people living out Deuteronomy 6. Y'all remember, remember what Matthew preached the other week ago? Uh, did a great job on, on, Matthew, on Deuteronomy 6. Um, um, God tells Moses to tell the people to teach God's commandments 
to their children, to the next generation. Impress them on their hearts. Talk about them when they walk alongside the road. Uh, talk about them when they're lying in bed. Talk about them when you get up. Write them on the doorpost of your house so that when you leave the house and when you come in, there they are. You can't escape it. It's all over the place. Well, the current generation, because the current generation is supposed to pass on God's ways to the next generation. And when we fail to do so, we see what happens right here in Judges. We see, and frankly, we see it in our own world, right? When we fail to raise up the next generation, bad things happen. So God warns the people what happens when we fail to pass on God's ways to the next generation. We, we read in Deuteronomy 6, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. His anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Oh, didn't that give you all warm and cozy feelings, right? About, I mean, but we gotta remember God's a holy God. And he wants his people to be a holy people. And the only way you can do that is to pass on to the next generation God's ways and God's commands. And this is exactly what did not happen in Judges. The next generation was not taught the ways of God. They weren't told all, of, uh, all that God had done for them in Egypt and in the wilderness. And now they enter into a cycle that repeats itself over and over and over again. Deja vu. Deja vu. So there's five steps to what I'm going to call the sin cycle or rebellion cycle. Or if, you want to, if you're an optimist, uh, you know, if you've got a rosy outlook on life, you could also call it a salvation cycle, a, a restoration cycle. So, and, and we can go with either the S's or the R's. I don't know which one's your favorite letter. You got a favorite letter? You like S, you like R? Oh, don't worry. I got both of them for you, okay? So you can go with uh, the five steps are this. Sin, servitude supplication, salvation, and silence. Or you can go with rebellion, retribution, repentance, restoration, and rest. And we're going to go over those uh, uh, quickly here. So the first step is sin or rebellion. We've already seen this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served uh, the balls. They, the people rebelled against God. They served other gods. One of the biggest mistakes the Israelites made when they entered in the promised land, is they didn't do what God told them to do. God told them to, re to remove all the people in the land. And we, can go in, we can go to another time and talk about, oh, that, that's interesting. Um, but this was God's command, because God knew that if, if the other people were left, then God's people would be tempted to serve their gods. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites failed to wipe all the other people out, and so almost at every turn, God's people are tempted to serve other gods. And so the first step is sin or rebellion. The second step is servitude or retribution. We see this described in verse 14 of our passage. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. God gave his people over to other countries and other people. He allowed them to be overtaken. And this was their consequence for sin and rebellion. And so here's what I need. I need to stop and I need to say this to you right now. Sin always leads to suffering. 
Sin always leads to suffering. It always does. When we sin, we are disobeying God. We're dishonoring God. We're dishonoring his ways. And now some sin has natural consequences, right? There's just natural consequences built in, especially depending on what country you live in. There's some, there's some laws that exist that if you do this, this is, how, this is what happens. You commit murder, you're going to jail. You, you, you rob somebody, you're going to jail. You, you take drugs, your body's going to pay the price, right? So there's things that happen that naturally uh, we face consequences for. So sin always leads to suffering. Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of sin is what? Is death. Is death. When we sin, we earn death. The wages, you, how do you, you get wages by, by earning it, right? And so when we sin, we earn death. And sometimes literally, literally. Sometimes though, when we sin, we kill a relationship. We kill a relationship. We, we lose friends. We can lose a spouse. We can severely wound family relationships. Sometimes we kill an opportunity. You had a great opportunity to this or that, but because of your sin, that opportunity dead. Kill a job. You kill an, an advancement in your job. Anything. The wages of sin is death. And of course, we all know that we all die, right? One, all of us. And sadly, we've we lifted up those who, who, um, who have. And, we, and more and more, it seems like it's all around us all the time. So we are very much aware that we all die. You know that wasn't originally the plan? But sin entered the world. And so death entered the world. And of course, if we don't address our sin, our state of sin, our death will be an eternal one. We will be eternally separated from God. Unlike in Judges, where God would raise judges up and, and to save his people, and we're going to get to that in just a second, if we don't cry out to God for help because of our state of sin, we will be left eternally separated from him. I don't know about you, that does not sound exciting at all. It actually terrifies me. But that leads us to the third step. Again, you can, you can view this as a sin cycle or you can view this as the salvation cycle, okay? So the third step in this cycle is supplication and repentance. So the people would sin, they would rebel. God would punish them by allowing other people to conquer them. And when that would happen, God's people would cry out to God for help. They would repent. Now sometimes, as you read through Judges, it would take them a little bit longer. They'd suffer a little bit longer because they were failed to repent. But eventually they would cry out to God in supplication and in repentance. And uh, God would hear their cry. And we know, that, we know this as Christ followers. Listen, we know this as Christ followers, that God does the same thing for us. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I don't know how many of you were able to watch our Ash Wednesday service uh, that was presented by New Room, um, but we're in the season of Lent. Uh, the season of Lent is the 40 days minus Sunday that gets us to Easter. And it's not just a, a thing that gets us to Easter, but it is, a, it is 40 days of, of self-reflection, of prayer, of repentance, of fasting. 
And part of Ash Wednesday is, is reminding us of our mortality. The reason we use ashes is to, is to remind us that from dust we came to dust we shall return. And that's not pleasant. None of this is pleasant, right? And because it's not pleasant, we often don't talk about it. And because we don't talk about it, we're not, we're not comfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't do it. Repentance is not comfortable. Repentance uh, means that we have to, to, to admit that, that, that we're sinful, that we've made mistakes. And so with Ash Wednesday and Lent, we, we come face to face with our mortality that we are going to die. And so in the meantime, we've got to get right with God. We must find time to repent to turn from our sin and to turn towards God. Repent means to do a 180. You're going in this direction, it's not a good direction, and you turn around and you go the way of God. There is never a bad time to confess our sins before God because he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sins and will purify us of all unrighteousness. We know this from our own lives and our own experience and we know this from judges because the next step in our cycle is salvation or restoration, salvation, or restoration. We read in our passage from Judges 2 that then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. The people sinned, they were put in servitude, they cried out to God for help, and God delivered them through the judges. Now, these judges weren't what we think of judges nowadays, you know, black robes, sitting in the courtroom with a gavel. That's not what we're talking about. These were warrior leaders. These were uh, men and women who led God's people um, out of servitude and into uh, a time of, of peace. And listen, you're going to read Judges, and you're going to find out that these people were not perfect. Some of them were not perfect at all. Um, but yet God still used them because God can use anyone because he's using me, and he wants to use you. So God can use anyone. Listen, here's what, here's what I want you to hear this morning. While sin always leads to suffering, repentance always leads to deliverance. While sin always leads to suffering, repentance always leads to deliverance. Sin will lead to suffering no matter what. We, we, we may suffer. Others may suffer because of our sin. Sin leads to suffering and death, but when we choose to repent, we choose to confess our sins before God and each other, God promises to save us and to restore us. Just like he did with the Israelites. God chooses to restore us if we repent. In fact, God has already saved us through Jesus. Jesus has already paid the penalty of our sin on the cross. He's already died the death that we were meant to, de to die. The wages of sin is death. Jesus has already paid that what was due us. Jesus has already paid it. All we've got to do is accept that and then follow Jesus. God de desires to deliver us and to save us and to restore us. Again, you can easily see this as a salvation cycle. We see this in Judges and we see this in Ruth. Now, again, I'm not going to spend much time on Ruth. Uh, we did a, a pretty in-depth study of Ruth um, a while ago, but, and we'll probably do one another, another one, but... Um, Ruth takes place during the time of the judges and offers us a glimpse of God's deliverance and uh, points us to Jesus. You see, Naomi is an Israelite. She's living in, in another country, and there's a drought. 
in this country, and she, uh, her husband has died, her, her, her sons have died, and it's just her and her daughters-in-law. And women in this time, they had no rights, they had, had, they had nothing, and so she decides to return to her homeland, her family in Israel. And one daughter-in-law chooses to stay. Ruth, her other daughter-in-law, says, Naomi, your God will be my God. Your God will be my God, and I will go with you. And what's interesting about Ruth is that she wasn't an Israelite. She was an outsider. Yet she sets the example for what it looks like to follow God. And while in Israel, one of Naomi's relatives uh, marries Ruth, and we later learn that Ruth's ancestor becomes King David, and later that would include Jesus. So here we have Ruth, an outsider, playing a major role in God's restoration and deliverance and salvation plan for God's people of you and of me. And so just know that when we are uh, ready, when we're ready, when we're ready to repent, to cry out to God, God is ready to deliver us, to restore us, and to save us. And so let us accept God's deliverance. And then let's find rest. The fifth and final step of this cycle of deja vu, of sin and salvation, that we find in Judges is one of silence and rest. Silence and rest. When the people repent and God saves, there's a period of rest and silence. We don't hear much about this time period. The people rest and enjoy peace. Now, it doesn't often take long before they're again in that sin and rebellion state again. But there is a time of rest and peace. I shared earlier the, the verse from Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Here's what it also says. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God not only wants to provide you and me with temporary rest, he wants to provide us with eternal rest. And God wants to begin that eternal rest right now. We don't have to wait until we draw our final breath to begin eternity with our Heavenly Father. We can start now. The moment we say yes to following Jesus, we begin eternity with him. If you've said yes to Jesus, you have already begun eternity with him. As we pray every Sunday, we can begin to experience heaven on earth. In fact, heaven will be on earth. In fact, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And we can start experiencing that today. So let me ask you, where are you on this deja vu cycle. And as we look through Judges, that cycle gets, it's, gets deeper and deeper and darker and darker. Are you in the sin stage? Are you stuck in a sin? Are you stuck in a behavior? Are you stuck in a fault? And are you dealing with the consequences of your sin right now? Maybe you're in that stage. That you are dealing with the consequences of your sin or are you in the midst of crying out to God for help? Or maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to, to do that, to cry out to God for help. Lent is the season of repentance, of crying out to God for help, to turn away from our sin and to turn towards God.
who is right there ready, waiting for us. Let's not be like the Israelites and others, including ourselves from time to time, who forget. That was their problem. That was their problem. They forgot. They forgot God's commands. They forgot all that God had done for them. Let's not forget who God is and what God has done for us because some of you know exactly what God has done for you, right? You know how far God has brought you. You know how God got you to where you are right now. Don't forget because God does not want us to continue into this deja vu cycle. He wants it to end with salvation and rest. He doesn't want us to pick up stage one again and go back and forth. So let's break the sin cycle. Let's remember that God has broken the power of canceled sin. Do you know what? If you, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, Christ has broken the power of sin in, in your life. You can choose not to sin. That's the joy of a, a Christ life, is that you can choose not to sin. Yes, you and I are sinners, but we are sinners saved by grace. And so that we can choose not to sin. We can choose to get out of this deja vu cycle. We can choose to follow Christ and choose not to sin. And we can enjoy right now, today, eternal rest and peace in Christ. I invite you to do that this morning. Remember, I love you. God loves you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you. We thank you for your word. Your word is often difficult to, to, to read because we come face to face with our own sin, our own brokenness, our own need for you. So Father, I pray that we would not turn away, but that we would turn in towards you. That we would recognize that you have sent your son Jesus to break the power of canceled sin, to break the sin cycle in us. Lord, I know it is, it is uncomfortable for us to talk about sin and repentance and our need for repentance. But until we are at a place where we can be honest with you and with ourselves, we will continue down our destructive ways. Lord, allow us to be honest with you, with each other. Allow us to let you into our lives. We ask all these things in your son's holy and precious name. In the name of Jesus, amen.